Good morning. Please pray with me. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change, the courage to change the things we can, the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Does God really want us to live in harmony? Does God really want us to live our lives full of joy and peace? Well, if you couldn't answer that question with a resounding yes, then perhaps joy and peace is something that you only sing about during Christmas time. And perhaps your world is full of chaos. Or maybe chaos is even your best friend. Or maybe you haven't found a way to silence the negative voices in your head that may be keeping you from being unfocused and confused. It's true. Chaos can feel exhausting. And chaos can keep, in you, can keep you from living your truth. And yet, we bear the weight of chaos every day in our lives. Every day, if we're unwilling to forgive ourselves or to forgive others, or if we engage in negative self-talk, or allow other people's perceptions and judgments to deplete us spiritually and emotionally. Perhaps you may be feeling empty. Maybe you're feeling a little frustrated. Or maybe you can't imagine what the new year will bring. And perhaps staking your claim for your truth is hard to imagine right now. So as we prepare for the change, how can we begin to renew our faith? How can we begin to stake our truth for our congregation? How can I begin to speak my truth the truth that is within me, a minister to the soul. What will it take for you to speak your truth? And what will it take for you to speak truth into your life? How will you get back to your center in this upcoming year? Well, one way to speak truth into your life is to find the strength to let go of your fears and the judgments that may keep you from being the best person that you can be. Now, to live a life full of joy and peace requires that we claim our freedom. It requires that we live with honesty and integrity. And it also requires that you find your essence, that which is special in the eyes of God. Rabbi Harold Kushner, author of Who Needs God, talks about the legend of the sky maiden who was captured one day as she came down from the sky to steal some milk that belonged to a farmer. Now, since I'm going to tell the story, let's give the farmer a name, and we'll call her Jobeth. Once captured, the sky maiden pleaded to be released, and Jo Beth agreed, but on one condition, 
and that was if the sky maiden would stay on earth and marry her. And the sky maiden agreed as well, and she had her own condition. And her condition was that she would be given an opportunity to return back to the sky for three days, which she did. And when she returned, she returned with a little small box. And she said to Jobeth, I will marry you, but you have to promise me that you will never open my box. And they lived joyfully until one day curiosity got the best of Jobeth. And she looked into the box and saw nothing in the box. Now, when the sky maiden came home, she took one look at Jobeth's face and said, you looked in my box, didn't you? <laughs> and Jobeth replied, well, I don't see what the big deal is. It's an empty box. And then the sky maiden said, I can't stay with you any longer. And it's not because you opened my box, because I knew one day you would. But it's because you said it was empty. It wasn't empty. It was full of air. It was full of sky. It was full of everything that was precious to me and everything that reminded me of my true essence, everything that made me special and who I am. How can I be your partner? How can I be your partner if what is most precious to me is emptiness to you? Now, when you consider all the hardships of this year, 2009, all the setbacks, you may look at your life and you may see it as empty. Or you may find that your true essence requires that you release all the negative perceptions and judgments that you hold about yourself. The expectations that other people may leave on you may leave you feeling trapped, living somebody else's dream for your life. Now, when I look out at you, I don't see emptiness. What I see is a sanctuary full of possibilities. And we must believe with all of our hearts that you are undeniably precious in the eyes of God. Your core is what makes you special. And it's time to put an end to negative self-talk. It's time to put an end to listening to people who don't know what God's purpose is for your life. It's time that we honor who we are. Now, you might say to me, well, Denise, you make it sound so simple. <laughs> and so I say to you, it is a process. And a good first step is to begin this new year by applying the four principles designed to keep you focused and connecting with your center, connected with your essence, and connected with your core. These are the principles that we find in Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements. Now, he believes that we are taught from day one. He believes that we are taught from day one to hide our true selves and to be afraid. 
and he believes that we are taught to rely on others for truth and knowledge. But when you begin to take responsibility for your own actions and for your own truth, you'll begin to live with the greatest sense of purpose and intentions. Now, my friend uh, Dewana and my friend Vicki are going to introduce you to the first two principles from Don Miguel Ruiz's book. And they're going to share their wisdom for your spirit in 2010. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The first agreement, be impeccable with your Word. Let's start by looking at the literal meaning of this phrase, be impeccable with your word. Impeccable comes from the Latin peccatus, which means sin. And the I am in impeccable means without. So impeccable, according to Ruiz, means to be faultless or without blame. Now let's look at the word word. Now for the purposes of this agreement, there are two applications of the, word, of the use of this word, word. There's word with a lowercase w, and there's word with an uppercase w. Your word, lowercase, has to do with the things you say, the things you speak and write. They make up sentences and phrases that you speak and write, or they come out as thoughts in your head. This is what people generally think about when they think about someone's word. On the other hand, there's word, uppercase W, and it means a lot more than your spoken word. It has to do with the power that you have to create through every expression that you make. That includes your emotions, it includes your thoughts, your actions, what you refrain from, and what you express your faith in. So now that we've got a literal basis for the understanding of the phrase to be impeccable with your word, which literally translated means to be sinless with your word, let's look at the importance of it. Why is it so important? Why did Don Miguel Ruiz feel that it was important enough to make this the first agreement? Why not be impeccable with your time? Why not be impeccable with your finances? Well, the, world, the word is <clears throat> pretty powerful. Recall the Gospel of John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Reverend Dwayne, the word is God. Therefore, it can be inferred that the word is a force through which you manifest everything. Ruiz describes the power of the word and how we must use that power to say what we mean and to use it in the direction of truth and of love. Now let's really look at how powerful this word is. If any of you know the creation story, you know that it starts off with, and God said, God said, let there be. And there was. God's spoken word brought this big world, materialized this world as we know it. Now, that's pretty powerful. I don't think it gets any more powerful than that. 
But I don't want you to leave here today saying that Dewana said, my word is so powerful that I, like God, can speak things into existence. It's not what I'm saying. Your word is powerful, but not quite that powerful. So Don Miguel explains that each of us lives within a dream, and it's essentially our perception of our reality. It consists of our morals, our values, our mores, and those concepts we've learned by virtue of our family, our society, and our influences. So in this dream, that's your perception of your reality, you can create how you feel emotionally by generating those emotions, and then you feel them. So what this means is that you can create dynamics of respect and relationships, sometimes just by listening attentively or just by being silent. You can create a different experience for yourself and others by refraining from an emotional exchange. You can create income for yourself by how well you express caring in the activity of your work. You can create a different self-image of yourself by putting the power of your faith in a thought that you have about yourself. Anyone familiar with the self-fulfilling prophecy? Well, you express in a multitude of ways throughout the day, both personally and professionally, and being impeccable with your word applies to all of them. Let me share with you an example about how this all plays out. In my job, I have the distinct uh, privilege, I guess you could call it a privilege, of um, working with staff who work directly with the public. And as you know, the public can be very demanding. And so oftentimes I have the opportunity to deal with those conflicts that are unresolved at some level. So what I will hear, someone call me and, said, and say, this staff person was rude, they were offensive, I don't even know why you have them on your staff. And they go on and on and on about how this person offended them. You know, it's their perception that when they call, <clears throat> that I'm going to wave my magic wand and all of a sudden everything is going to be all right with the world and their situation is going to be fixed. Well, my reality is there's only one God and I ain't her. So the most that they're going to get from me or from my staff is probably an apology. So what will happen is that the, I'll call the perpetrator in and it goes something like this. So-and-so said that when they called, you were rude, you were offensive, you said this and you said that. And they'll say, well, yeah, I did say that. But what I really meant to say was this. Or the way I really meant to say that was this way. Or sometimes it's something like, yeah, I did say it. But he, this was the fifth time he called. At the time that he called, I, was, I had a call that was waiting. Someone was in my office, had a report to get to you. And there was just a bunch of different things going on. And it was the fifth time he had called. So I take this opportunity to, to talk to them about, well, you know, maybe you knew what your intent was. Maybe you knew that you were busy doing a thousand different things, but the receiver didn't know that. And so if they were offended, if they thought you were rude, that was their perception, that's their reality. We can't fix that now because that's how they felt at the time they received your message. But let's talk about what we can do to keep this from happening again. So I use this as an opportunity to talk to them about how they need to be aware of their expressions and how their words and their actions not only represent them as a person, but it represents the agency as a person. So the reality of the public could be that because that one person they had contact with was rude and unprofessional, 
sorry, I'm losing my mic here, because that one person was rude and, and unprofessional, then that's the perception they have of the entire agency. So that one person represents, at some point, the entire agency. So we've got to be aware of our expressions, both spoken, unspoken, intended, and unattended, intended. This is illustrated in Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17, which Shari read earlier. Uh, but I'm going to take a uh, reading from Eugene Peterson's The Message Version. And it reads, So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline. Be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. And it goes on to verse 16 to say, let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives and let every detail in your life, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the master. So what this says to us as Christians is that we are ambassadors for God. So our words, our actions, everything we do need to be representative of that distinction. We've got to begin to understand what the word is and what power it has. So by practicing this first agreement, be impeccable with your word, you can be sent, begin to see how things will change for you. Your views about yourself will move from blaming to acceptance, from judging to tolerance of difference. Ruiz writes, how much you love yourself and how you feel about yourself are directly proportionate to the quality and integrity of your word. Amen. Being impeccable with your word is about being truthful and honest and kind. It's very simple, but not necessarily easy. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some practice. It reminds me of a devotional that I read, which talked about a toddler who's learning to walk. And so the toddler got up and started to walk. They take a step. They fall. And then they get up again, as toddlers do, and they keep doing it over and over and over and over again until they master the art of walking. All the time, you've got a parent there who's standing over them, not scolding them, but encouraging them. And that's how God's grace works. God's grace carries us. So God's not going to stop loving you because you said to yourself, I'm going to apply this principle to my life and be impeccable with my word, and it didn't work the first 15 times. God's going to keep loving you. And God's going to keep carrying you. So I challenge you to apply this agreement in your life and see where it takes you. Aristotle has a quote which says, We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not a habit. I mean, not an act, but a habit. So I challenge you to replace the word excellence with the phrase, Be impeccable with your word. We are what we repeatedly do. Being impeccable with your word, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. Apply it, live it, and it transcend, transcends into a way of being. Simply impeccable. Agreement number two, don't take anything personally. Personal, <laughs> personal important can take us to and keep us in our own personal hell. Personal importance, according to Don Miguel Ruiz, 
is the maximum expression of selfishness because everything becomes about me. If someone says, you are fantastic, Paul, don't take it personally. <laughs> if someone says, you are worthless, Bubbles, don't take it personally. It's about the movie of their own life in which they are the producer, the director, the marketing department, and of course, the star. <laughs> know this as truth. We are merely walk-ons in other people's movie and that is entitled, It's About Me, Confirm Me as a Friend and Follow My Tweets. <laughs> Don't take anything personally. When we bite into someone else's poisoned apple of personal self-importance, they can do us harm. They infect us with the poison of their own self-importance. Don't eat other people's emotional garbage. Because if you do, you can become trapped in someone else's world. Their world, their movie, is a place in which their own fears live. It is a place in which the agreements and the fears that they accept as truth exist. Their fear causes them to have emotions like jealousy, anger, depression, and so on and so on. Don't take it personally. Their truth is not your truth. If someone says something that hurts you, it's not what they say that hurts you, it's that they have tapped into a place within you that is wounded. To not take things personally, we have to look at those places of woundedness, examine our own fears so that we can heal and become immune to other people's poison. We have to look at the fears of not being enough, not good enough, not tall enough, not thin enough, not smart enough, not rich enough, not enough not enough. And only then can the wounding be healed. Do you know, wounding is not just external. Wounding can come from the inside as well. We can have an opposing agreements reside within us. Agreements that we accept from other people, agreements that we impose upon ourselves, agreements that are not in alignment with who we say we are. We create these social masks that we've become so invested in that we have difficulty removing them even to ourselves. Yet these masks may compose opposing arguments which create chaos internally, opening us to our own wounding as well as to the wounding of other people we forget who we are. We poison our own selves and begin to believe that we should suffer or that we need to suffer. When we accept that agreement, we will find the people and the circumstances to inflict suffering upon ourselves. Don't take it personally. When we don't take it personally and we find ourselves in a, an abusive place, we can choose to leave it. It may not be easy, 
and the journey may be painful. But remaining in an abusive place should not be an option. Journey towards love, journey towards healing, journey towards not taking it personally. Trust me, it's worth the trip. When we don't take others and our own fears, poisons, and emotional garbage personally, we can become our true selves. And our real self is the person that we get to choose to be. No one else gets to decide this for us. We get to choose. Please hear me when I say this. We get to choose. We get to choose what agreements we believe or don't believe. We get to choose to live in love for ourselves and for others. And once we get to that place of love, the fear disappears. For where love lives, fear cannot exist. Consider living this agreement in the coming year. This is the perfect week to take an inventory of our own agreements as we prepare to make our resolutions for next year. Take time this next week and ask yourself, perhaps journaling, what do I believe about me? What agreements have I accepted as truth about me? Should I keep these agreements or should I discard them? Are they my truth or someone else's truth? Do they come from a place of love within me or a place of fear? What agreements will I keep? If you keep Ruiz's second agreement of not taking things personally, you can say, I love you, without fear of being ridiculed or rejected. You can live with your heart completely open. You can ask for what you need. You can say yes or no without guilt or self-judgment. You can choose to follow your heart always. Then you can be in the middle of hell and experience inner peace and happiness. So how does this tie back to the scripture in Luke? Well, Jesus refused to accept the poison of his parents when they said, Jesus, why did you do this to us? Your father and I were frantic, searching for you. Jesus lived his own truth and in love offered. But why did you need to search? Didn't you know I must be in God's house? Jesus simply chose to not take it personally. Later on this evening, Mark is going to put up those questions that I posed. So if you go back to the website, resurrectionmcc.org, you can find those questions for your journaling. Thank you. Be afraid no more. You have the power within you to reclaim your essence, and you have the power to silence those negative voices. Next week, we're going to continue with the series ag agreements three and four. Eileen North and Anthony White will bring those to us. And if you want to go even deeper, then join us when we do the six-week study starting on January the 6th. Thank you. Thank you.